Welcome, uh, Ricky Tios, to episode 14. It's the long-awaited second part of the Two Guys, One Dice Cup uh, tournament organisers um, guide. So, uh, thankfully, I'm joined, as always, by Phil. Uh, and my name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn. Phil, I think I fluffed that up. What's your real name again? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Phil from Arash's Cairns. Fantastic. Who would have thought 14 episodes in, I, I still really couldn't get that that consistently to work. Um, hey-ho. But, as I said, this is the second part of how to run a tournament. And if you are joining us now, you might want to pause this and go back to episode 8, which is the first part. Uh, we are recording them for how many months? Six months apart? R- roughly, yeah, yeah, roughly six months apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think we were we were okay to leave a big gap because most of the world was in some sort of uh, some sort of pandemic lockdown, weren't they? Yeah, um, and w- quite a lot of places still are. But I mean, as we're starting to come out of that, um, there are more t- uh, tournaments happening. So yeah, it's worthwhile kind of jumping back into this. I think. And I think uh, before anybody goes, oh, fuck, I don't want to listen to this shit because it's about tournaments and I don't organise tournaments, stop right there. There's still a fuck ton of stuff that we're going to talk about in the hobby section that you might find interesting. And then the rest of it after that, you could well decide you might want to become a TO after hearing it. So just yeah. fucking get over yourselves and listen to the damn thing. <laughs> Fantastic. So for all the rookie TOs though that have already listened to episode 8 or if you're just joining us back after having listened to episode 8 uh, myself and Phil are going to go through a few of our usual sections um, the first one being on the games front uh, yes. Well Phil oh, oh how do I start this one <laughs> I, I don't know how do you start I, it I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my um, big brave boy pants and declare that I am currently in the biggest blood bowl slump I can recall. And I think the last time we spoke in episode thirteen, I uh, we just started the current League of Line League of Extraordinary Linemen um, competition. Yes, yeah, and right. I started off with a, a nice win um, against Brian. Uh, it was a two-one win, I believe. That's correct, yeah. Yep. Uh, so since then, we have played three games, and I have had three absolute horrible, horrible games. Four, I, four games. Four games. And four, had four horrible games. Four horrible games. I must have blanked one of them out then. Um, so I've played... Uh, I'm still playing as my Elf Union lineman nope. team. No, I'm high elves. Because the high elves <laughs> don't even know who they are anymore. They're just a bunch of chumps. <laughs> elf union. Their, their, their armor. Their armor suggests that they might be uh, elf union. Yeah, but they're not. Anyway, it's an elf team with armor eight that are dark. Uh, but I've played. Um, I've played against a human team by Jamie, and I got. You know what? I can't even remember what happened. I lost that game badly. Uh, the scoreline was one nil, but casualties. There was at least at least four um, four of my players missed the next game. Uh, the next game was against uh, Mark and his uh, 
Amazon team. And I went into that game with four four uh, journeymen. And, you know, that dropped my team value down considerably. And Mark's team is relatively rookie. But he still managed to get uh, a wizard, two babes, and Roxana. Uh, what's the name? Roxana. It's not Roxana. Uh, Darkmail. Dark yeah, it's Darkmail. That's right. Um, and once again, my dice absolutely abandoned me. My ability to roll a one was amazing, and my ability to roll skulls were phenomenal. Uh, so he he beat me 4 0, put a whole bunch of casualties on me, but I only had a couple of people. Um, missed the next game and then my next game was against Ross uh, with his frogs and I really didn't have the opportunity to make that many mistakes Uh, going into this that game I had 100,000 in inducements and logic would have dictated that I took two babes to you know get my KOs back but I decided that I wanted extra team training, so I got another reroll just because I knew my availability was quite high. And you know what? Uh, I made the right call because I only had one person in the KO bin for the entire game. Everybody else either died or was seriously injured. Um, <laughs> so, so that was that. So uh, the one the one entertaining thing about the game against the Frogs was that my dice again were absolutely horrific. I don't want to even depress the rookie coaches and the rookie TOs with, with what happened, but uh, my opponent had had a lot of failures, so concentrated around ball handling and passing and that allowed me to get uh, to get a touchdown and I missed out on a second touchdown with um, well, it was the GFI it was the go for it before the go for it for white line fever, so I pre white line fail, whatever, it was a failure there was another one and a long series of ones and I'm pretty sure, Phil, that is all the games I've played, unless uh, I blanked out another horror story. You've missed your uh, game against Gordon. That was the one that preceded. Uh, Jesus, that, I really three. had, I yeah. really had blanked out that game against Gordon. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't even remember what happened, but I knew it was just absolutely horrific. It was a, it was a two-one loss. Um, you had a guy uh, sort of given a niggling injury, but. I mean, I haven't watched. Haven't watched most of your games. Uh, yeah, you, you're going through a brown patch of dice at the moment. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even a uh, a, pur- a purple patch. It's a brown. It's, it's full on like yeah. rectal prolapse dice. And um, the biggest problem I've got is that with taking the sort of the last game of the last season up to the current one. So that's six games of Blood Bowl. And five of them have been absolute dicing. Uh, not even by my opponents. My opponents' dice have been average. Um, I wouldn't say anybody's rolled exceptionally hot dice, but my dice have just been phenomenally bad. And you know, it's a real shame that my love of Blood Bowl is is lacking a little bit at the moment, just because five of the last six games I've played have. I've just not been, I've not been in my control. You know, if I, you know, I'm sure there'll be listeners out there that'll, they'll appreciate where I'm coming from. That I haven't had the opportunity to make any mistakes because I haven't had time. Yeah, once you hit the spiral in the game, it's it's uh, 
it's curtains. If it's going bad, it's good. And years have gone bad. Um, it starts getting exponentially worse. I mean, like the the last game could easily have been a draw, uh, no questions. And I think mm-hmm. that was down to like poor dice at um, the worst time for you. You know, like yep. um, the the game that you got pounded by McNuggs in. Um, that was just his yeah that was ridiculous and uh, when Jamie uh, sort of et through your team uh, the game before Jamie absolutely murdering your team the the game before that actually should have made it a little bit easier to play Mark because uh, your TV was reduced so much I mean just to explain to folks uh, Mark and um, Scott um Mark McNaughton, uh, McNaughty69, and uh, Scott Patton, Jack H, joined our league uh, for the start of this season uh, with fresh teams, which means that they've been metagaming their way through that uh, <laughs> all, all, all season so far. Uh, so we've been coming up against Wizards, um, Star Players, Bribes, you name it, all the way through the season so far. Um, yeah. That'll level itself out eventually, of course. But um, I, some, somewhat ironically, Mark had been doing shit until you uh, he absolutely pounded you there. Um, yeah, well, he racked up a good amount of star player points. He got yeah. touchdowns, and um, I had no impact on his team whatsoever. And the same, you know, when I think about impact against teams against uh, Ross and his frogs, I only broke armor once in the entire game, and it was a stun. Whereas I think by the end of the first half, I had three badly hurt, one dead. Sorry, three seriously injured, one dead, and one badly hurt, and one in the KO bin. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, but I I don't want to depress myself or anybody else any further. So can you tell me about your games and how (laughs) how much better you're enjoying Blood Bowl than I am? Uh, I've enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't have said mine were uh, like ridiculously better, but, but I've had a fairly middling uh, season so far. Mm-hmm. I think when we, when we left off last time, I I drawn with uh, Gordon um, in the first game of the season. Second game, I played Brian and beat him two nil. I think there was uh, much in that. That was a very, um, very tight uh, kind of game until um, there was a couple of things. Can kind I of opened it up a bit? I did uh, kill one of his players and minus move another one. Um, third game, I came up against uh, Jack H's uh, uh, brand new Norse team. That game was brutal. Like I had. Uh, um, a couple of players just uh, fall to bits in that one. I I was lucky to get a draw in that one. He had a, a bribe, a wizard, and Wilhelm Cheney against me. Now, most of what would think Cheney's pretty shit against Amazons because, like, he doesn't have uh, Claw doesn't do anything. But the strength four, remember, it's all line linemen. Strength four is really big. The movement's really big. Um, the fact he's got catch and uh, Wrestle's useful as well, you know. Um, and I think I I was unlucky in the first half 
to have anybody left on the, uh, I was lucky rather to have anybody left on the pitch so just everybody was getting sort of KO'd or um, or kind of uh, put out um, and most of our players were down on the deck for the entire uh, drive I think I had an almost almost had a chance to, to pull one back um, but then in my drive um or was it my drive first? I think it, it, no, no, in fact, it was my drive first. I'm talking bullshit. My drive first. And he used the wizard and it knocked down uh, four of the people uh, that it needed uh, that were in the area where the ball was, including the ball carrier. And that just allowed him to swarm my team. And there was a couple of uh, sort of people got hurt and, and amongst that and KOs and stuff. And then he managed to score. So it was going into his drive and I was thinking, fuck, this is going to be a 2-0 loss. Um, struggling here with players and stuff and then um, I kind of kept pushing and pushing and I fouled Cheney off in like the second or third turn mm-hmm. of, uh, of, in fact it was the second turn of the uh, the second half and then I don't know as Scott said himself he th- I think he got a bit too nonchalant about the whole thing and then I started just kind of doing the um, the sort of desperation plays and Eventually, I mean, I popped the ball about two or three times. Eventually, the ball went out and went in a decent position. Um, and I got it to my star player, uh, who was move seven, edge four, uh, block dodge. And all, I thought, all round, all round good player. Yeah, I thought I, I'm, I'm reasonably safe here. The best he's going to get here is a one dice uh, on me. Of course, he, he made the one dice. Uh, it was a pow. And uh, he uh, minus AV'd my my player. Oh. Uh, so and I'd, I'd already misclicked the apo in the first half um, on somebody um, I didn't I didn't intend to use it on. So I didn't have the apo at that point. So I was like, oh, that's just fucking shite. So I ended up uh, firing that one after that game. But on the back of that, I managed to get the ball back and. Uh, and just kind of fired it up his end of the pitch and, and scored pretty late on in his drive uh, to win the uh, to draw the game one one, which was great. I was happy I got got out of that one. Yeah, I and, think I joined then, you just at the tail end of that game to yeah. start one of my horror stories. And then I pumped uh, Jamie um, and his humans. Um, it was a. 2-1 but it, it was a lot more um, a lot more kind of my sided than his I think he snuck a, a, a touchdown in late on uh, with a potato play yeah. uh, and then my last game was against uh, Space Gandalf um, and that was a 1-1 um, which was which was fine I think dirty, that dirty little wizard I think that was kind of fair enough I had a, a he Minus staged one of my uh, linos. They got uh, got got rid of as well, and then he minus AV'd another one. Uh, one of my wrestle tackle ones, I think. There was okay. so, there was no no no. Sorry, he killed one. No, he killed. Uh, I'm looking at the things wrong. Right, he killed one. Uh, my wrestle tackle piece. Um, outright. Um, and I minus AG'd his wrestle leap guy and I minus AV'd his uh, mighty blow tackle 
guy. So it was an all right game from that respect. Um, but I've got I've got McNuggs up next um, with 370 TV against me uh, of inducements. So I'm not looking forward to that I, one particularly. I am not looking. I am not looking to see who I've got next. But I'm sure you can tell me. You are playing. <laughs> you're playing uh, Jack H's uh, Norse team. Amazing. And you have. Let me see. 260 TV against you. Wonderful. So, yeah, you're going to be... Well, at least, I mean, he's going to go bribes, isn't he? I think probably with that one, because he's got, he's got a 15-player uh, roster. Yeah. Which he'll have to trim down at some point, I'm sure. Hopefully somebody else will trim it down for him. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think it's going to, adding new, two new players in uh, where most of the teams are developed, I mean, on paper you're thinking, yeah, well, most of these players should have decent amount of skill and stuff like that, and um, that's true, but if, you've, if, you've, if you're coming up against a star and a wizard, the stars are exponentially better than the good players in this league. Yeah. And a wizard is a make or break with this. If it craps out, then fair enough, but I mean, I don't think I've come up against a, a wizard in this where it hasn't where it has crapped out. I've just, um, I don't have much luck against wizards, um, so yeah, we'll see. I think um, I'm sitting in fourth at the moment after five games, and you're second bottom. So you're not even bottom. Yeah, well, give me time. Yeah. Uh, Brian, have you played Brian yet? Yeah, no, you haven't. One, that's, no, Brian was the first game I played in the league. Oh yeah, aye. So you've beaten Brian at least anyway. Give, you know, everybody else has beaten him apart from yeah, might well have been Space Gandalf. Don't know. It's been it's been an interesting league again, um, and it always will be. I think uh, in terms of there's a couple of teams that are quite high up the top. There's usually it's like one's an ascendancy each. Year, I think this year might be uh, Gordon's year, or season might be Gordon's season. Even um, yeah. it was Brand's season the season before. Space Gandalf with that, and me, me that uh, the year before that. But I think uh, could go down to the last game between uh, Gordon and uh, and Scott. The way it's going at the moment. Well, we also come off Potter's Frog Show for sure at some point. Oh yeah. I mean, they were highly wobbly against me. Um, and if, if that happens against another team, he'll he'll suffer for it. But yeah, absolutely. Any, anyway, you've been any, playing any other games? Uh, just as listeners of Two Guys One Dice Couple um, remember, I play a regular get together on uh, Settlers of Catan on Steam on a Monday night with a couple of them. Um, other sort of big name Scottish Blood Bowl players, and it, you know, and I am kicking fucking ass on Settlers of Catan. Uh, some of the stuff I'm doing is absolute magic, and I'm on a, a reasonably good win uh, win rate at the moment. I think the past ten games of Catan we've played, I've won six of them. So I'm I'm quite uh, I'm quite happy about that, but it's 
it's an odd one to admit that I don't actually enjoy playing Settlers of Catan that much. Uh, but I'm quite good at it at the moment, which is really also quite strange. So um, one of those weird quirks of fate. I think it's it's because it's a oh, when you and and it's the same, I suppose, for Blood Bowl. I play board games and games with toy soldiers to meet people in real life, not to play as as a computer game. Uh, but no, it's been good, it's been good fun. Still getting that winning feeling on a Monday night, and then later in the week, I play Blood Bowl, and that and that winning feeling goes away. <laughs> Sad, sad days, sad days. Yeah, the only other thing I've been playing recently was uh, I've, I've played a bit of Total War, uh, Warhammer past couple of days. Uh, oh, yeah. No idea what I'm doing. I'm very much still finding my feet with it. Uh, but it's been fun anyway. Um, oh, I think uh, it was uh, I sat with my daughter for uh, about an hour and a half today playing it. Um, she was mildly interested so that was good but other than that other than that I've not really been playing much else either no no but that will then bring us on to the more exciting topic of uh, what's on the table what have you been painting what have you and what and what have you been spending your money on I mean that's the traditional part of what's on the table yeah so in terms of painting I finished the Marauder Giant that, that Look, got finished up. Looking good. I'm quite happy with how it came out. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice looking model and I think I did it enough uh, justice to kind of uh, feel feel happy with doing it uh, if you know what I mean. Um, onward from that I've started on uh, McNugs's uh, Grebor team his lizard. Um, I've managed to get the base coat done and a couple of kind of Airbrushed highlights down on his um, Saurus, and I started the Crocs, but I think I'm going to strip it and do it again because it's uh, not come out how I wanted it to. But other than that, I started Bellacore and uh, got the airbrush out for that, and he's uh, looking fantastic. I'm really no, enjoying this is the new. This is the new big plastic flash version from Games Workshop, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, what did those bad boys retail for? I can't remember what I paid for it. It was about 64 quid or something like that. It wasn't ridiculous. Uh, but good yeah. Chunky, good chunk of change though, but he is big and cool. Aye. And, uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying painting him so far. He was a really nice model to put together. I hate putting models together, as everybody who listens to this podcast will know. Um, and I didn't hate putting this one together. It was really well nice thought out, and uh, like uh, I normally on bigger stuff, I'll probably sort of go out my way to do sub assemblies and stuff. Uh, this one I didn't bother because it's so open; it's easy to get to most of the areas that you need to get to. The only thing I might have done in hindsight is keep the head off and put the head on separately. But um, yeah, uh, I've been enjoying painting that one. As far as money goes, um. I've not been ridiculous, but I have spent money. I know I said I wasn't going to spend money last time. I think we always say that. Yeah, I think the only miniatures that I bought um, there was a. Um, I keep an eye on eBay 
for things every now and again. And um, um, I'd been looking for another 10 uh, Warhammer Pestigors um, to run as a block of 20 Plague Bearers proxies for Age of Sigmar because I, I don't really... I wanted something to break up the monotony of the 60 green and uh, khaki green uh, Plague Bearers I've already got. Um, so I saw an, an auction for 10 more um, and managed to get it for fairly cheap. So uh, that was a, a win, but obviously I ended up spending money on that. Um, but I don't think I've actually bought anything else. I'm just trying to think. Um, just looking Is around. It, did, did you buy Bellacore this month, or was he a previous? Month? Uh, no, I um, was he out at least at the very least of the last episode. I said we were, I was going to be buying him. I'd maybe ordered him, pre ordered him by then. I can't That's remember, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, he he's turned up and has been started this month, I guess. So, yeah, I guess you could say I probably bought it that way. Uh, but other than that, I don't think I've really bought much else. Certainly nothing, um, nothing hobby related. What about yourself? What have you been painting, building, well, buying? Busy, busy, which has been good. Um, I remember last episode, in episode 13, during Best Endeavours, I was really hesitant to commit to anything. Um, and I think I, I was predicting a, a little slump coming up ahead of me just because I'd finished the team I'd finished the project um, but that hasn't that hasn't been the case thankfully so I've uh, got my nose down into the uh, Dark Elf Grebo team which I'm doing uh, on commission and in order to get it started I do I think if we spoke last episode I do a little sort of test bust mm-hmm. um, painting so uh, I did a little bit of work on that showed it to the, the customer and um, we had a little bit of to and fro conversation going backwards and and a little piece of advice for any uh, less any any rookie coaches or listeners out there if you are going to engage a commission painter don't be afraid to uh, criticize their work and push back on some of their suggestions because in the end you're the paying customer and I had to remind my customer that genuinely if there's anything that you're not happy with or you want to make some changes or or anything don't feel like you're going to be insulting my skills or ability and that and that was quite a good conversation with the customer because it opened up uh, to them and that we we reversed the color scheme i know this is going to sound odd but i wanted to go for a red blue with uh, gray silver and um, but he's more blue red with with the gray silver you know so Blue is the more dominant colour. And it meant going back to the, the little bus, having a little play around with the blues, um, changing a few washes, and and we got to something that uh, the customer was happy with and something that I felt that I could deliver, uh, deliver well. And then uh, got down to the models and I thought to get my own to get my own peace of mind and to give the customer peace of mind, I thought I would take one one lineman to completion. So I painted one to 100%, well, like 99%. There's a few tiny little touches that I'll do at the end, um, but I'll do them to everybody. And I shared those images on uh, 
my own painting page, Brushwork Miniatures. Um, hopefully the the bulk of the listeners will have already gone over there at some point to have a look. And uh, I took took the picture, showed it to the customer. He's extremely happy. And so I've forged ahead now and I've decided this time to paint them in pairs. Uh, just because there's so many uh, oh, this is an odd one um, the figures are quite thin in that there's not a lot of surface area to them you know their legs are quite thin and spindly and they're so their arms uh, you know compared to the, the plastic Imperial Nobles that I've just painted um, but there's still lots of different layers of paint and transition of paint uh, so to make it worthwhile, I'm I'm painting them in pairs and taking them to completion. Uh, so I just got my first pair finished a couple of nights ago uh, to bring the total total player count to three, and I've got some base colours on on a bunch of the others. So uh, that that project is cracking along really really well. For any customer, sorry for any um, listener though, these are the uh, Grebo Dark Elf um, Dark Obsidian team. I think they're called. Obsidian Dusk. Obsidian Dusk, that's the goal. Uh, the only the only two miniatures I'm a bit um, hesitant about are the two assassins. Just because they're very they're very different in that they don't have a lot of armor plating showing. There, there's lots of sort of different layers of robes. So I'm gonna leave them to last just to see just to see how it comes out in terms of you know, having a full team around them and then looking at them to see what what will work uh, in terms of colours. Yeah, you're right there. They're not, they don't lend themselves to the to like a colour scheme for the rest of the team. No. Um, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. One, like you say, once you've seen the, them in context uh, with a full team, that that might eke it out a little bit more in terms of yeah. where you want to go with it. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm hoping for because the you know I haven't done any blitzers or witch elves yet, so uh, or the runners and they've you know they're a little bit more ornate. The witch elves have got you know bigger hairdos to paint, so that'll be another color um, that'll be added to the the palette for them. Um, but no, I'm really really enjoying it, and uh, you know it's it's always nice to say that when. I genuinely believe that the customer's going to get something pretty special because I will be quite sad when these guys leave the table because um, they're looking really good. I hope he appreciates them, which I'm sure he will, but uh, it will be sad to let them let them go. Aye, aye. It's nice, it's nice when you get that feeling with those um, yeah. uh, sorts of things. Yep. Um, what else, though, have I got? I'm looking at my table now. I have started the... Ogre for the Scottish Blood Bowl Legacy Team that we do every year. Uh, have we have we spoken about Legacy Teams on Two Guys One Dice yeah, Cup? Bill? Yeah, yeah, we have uh, previous because uh, both both myself and and you have uh, have put in uh, previously uh, yep. for other ones. Yeah, um, but just in case for some reason this is the the first episode you've ever listened to. Uh, every year of the Scottish community produce a legacy team um, whereby people volunteer to to paint one model from a, a Blood Bowl team and then that Blood Bowl team gets uh, raffled off to uh, to, to the, the participants that contributed to it. So uh, this year we are doing um, 
Oh fuck! Who are they? Who are we doing? Why am I paying uh, them? Old World Alliance. Old in World Alliance. Green and white. Green and white. Yep. So yeah, the the community voted on the team. The community voted on the paint the paint scheme, and then we all run off and and do it. So uh, I volunteered to paint an ogre. Uh, so I've started. I've got him built, undercoated, and got a few base colours on. Got his skin done, which is pretty cool. So. Um, that's just a nice little side project that I can keep ticking along until, well, when do we have to hand them over? October? Yeah, it's it's around yeah. October time. Yeah, I'll try and get them off the table in the next couple of months, so just to, for a bit of sanity. Um, flying around in the background, I've got my Babylon 5 spaceships. I've just thrown a few base colours on them. Uh, again, though, they're just something on the side just to keep myself... Um, keep myself focused, you know, I just silly, keep myself focused. If I lose focus, I can look at them. <laughs> That's bizarre, but it's just something something different, you know, from a, an elf or a, you know, humanoid. It's a little spaceship with guns, which I think everybody can appreciate. Oh, um, that, that, that's it, yeah. yeah. Palette, a palette cleanser definitely makes a difference uh, if you've got, if you're, if you hit a stumbling block, I guess, uh, with what like a main thing you're doing, shifting to something completely different, yeah, um, definitely makes a, a a can make a jump in what you're doing, um, or, or get at least get you back in the frame of mind for doing other stuff. Exactly, and then this last project will help segue into my money spending. Even though once again I said I wouldn't spend any money, uh, I have started building or well, finished building my. IS-2, a Soviet tank for my new Soviet bolt-action army. And usually I wouldn't start with a tank, but a company called Ammo by Mig Jimenez, they're really big into the, the um, sort of scale modeling and weathering and that sort of stuff. They decided they're going to run a competition. Uh, I think this is like some sort of anniversary of the Soviet Union winning World War II or whatever. Uh, but they're running a competition to, if you paint a Soviet tank from World War II using one of their specific box sets, and it's a solutions box. Um, what's it called? It's the 4BO Green Vehicles Color and Weathering System uh, solutions box. So the idea being that everything, everything you need to paint the tank is in this box, and Fuck me, it really is. It's actually one of the best products I've ever bought, uh, hobby-wise, because in it you've got this really nice colour, glossy, step-by-step book. And then in it, you actually genuinely have everything in there except for the, the brush, the brushes and the airbrush to do it. And because there's lots of um, oil-based products, they've even got uh, odourless white spirits in there as well. It, ridiculous it's a really cool box so um so yeah i decided to spend uh 50 quid to get this box and uh take part in their, their competition and it was just good luck but I'm, i had a soviet army ready to start with you know lots of vehicles so um i've just seen why why not why shouldn't i uh so that's the segue into buying um for the listeners from episode 13 I was bidding on some Babylon 5 uh, fleet action 
um, battles uh, rule books. Well, I won them. <laughs> Who'd have fucking thought? Uh, so there's another, I don't know, 12 or 13 pounds. Um, a really off the ball one was, and I feel like I'm monologuing quite a bit though now, uh, but when I sold the Imperial Nobles team um, a couple of episodes ago, the gentleman that bought them uh, really liked the Scottish motif and theme that I had running with the Saltairs. And after a couple of discussions with him, he wants a Black Orc team painted, but he wants them done with the the other Scottish flag with the line rampant on them. And uh, oh mate, did I did I ever talk to you about how much I was deliberating on this one? Uh, I can't remember. I've, we've definitely talked about it uh, before. So I remember you talking about the. Um, transfers yeah so what i ended up having to do um i i I could not be i cannot see myself freehand painting line rampants uh over an entire team on on different sizes you know because it'd be the black orcs and the goblins and the and the troll so i went to an independent company um called citadel six uh custom designs and um it looks like they're they're quite big into their historical stuff, you know, Water of the Roses and um, oh, fucking history, history stuff. Go and look at history. But uh, well, I was talking to the team there, and they had uh, a line rampant design, and uh, I managed to get them to um, fill a whole A4 sheet full of line rampants at different sizes, and. Because it was a custom design, that cost money, and then obviously the printing and the postage, so uh, you can rack up another 30 quid for mm-hmm. my purchases. But what that means is it's uh, it's another commission um, that I'll be doing for a Blood Bowl team. Um, so some of that cost obviously is passed on to the consumer uh, and the price, and it also means I've got a resource for doing you know similar things for myself in the future if I want to. I'm almost done, listeners. It, it was a busy month. Um, <laughs> I decided I needed more brushes, um, which is really dumb because I thought I've always got enough, but I didn't have any. Um, don't have any flat brushes, uh, which I need to do a lot of the weathering activities uh, for my Soviet. So I just mm-hmm. bought a, a sort of cheap pack of flat brushes off of Amazon. No particular brand that's special. Um, you know, I don't expect them to have a long lifespan, but I don't need them to have a long lifespan. Uh, whoa, far right, almost done. I needed three silly little Soviet engineers um, with flamethrowers from Warlord Games, and they don't sell them in any boxes anymore, so I actually had to get them uh, cast specifically, uh, so individually. Uh, that was okay. took a while, though. took me about a month and a half to get that order through, so that was 15 quid, which I don't grudge. And then the really odd one is I decided to upgrade to a wet palette. Do you use a wet palette? Yes, I do. Yeah. Right. How long have you used a wet palette for? A couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. I have never... Massive jump up uh, in terms of uh, flexibility. Yep. 
I have never used a wet palette, and um, I still haven't because it's still sitting unused to the right hand side of my little sort of dimple palette that I've got. But it made sense to me to make the change because now with a baby, well, he's not a baby now; he's a toddler. But um, a lot of my painting time is quite limited in terms of you know it'll be forty five minutes here and there, or a couple of hours at night, and it means that. You know, I can be mixing up specific colours, obviously, and not getting a lot of time with them. Uh, so I thought, well, the solution to that is already there, and it's by a wet palette. So uh, I'm looking forward to joining the club, I guess. Uh, which one did you end up going with? Uh, I went with the Army Painter. Yeah, I've got... Um, I ended up just getting a, a Fisker one. One okay. of these ones that you can get... Uh, from hobby stores, um, yep. like I say, I've had I've had it for a couple of years. Honestly, in terms of blending and stuff like that, mm-hmm. massive difference. A lot easier. Um, a lot more control over paint. What what I what I find uh, is that if you've got too, if you've got, it's a bit of a, a, a kind of tipping point with this because if you've got too much paint on, um, it absorbs too much water through the paper. Uh, so it goes it goes watery too quickly, um, especially if you leave it and you have to remix it, and then it becomes much more watery than you'd probably want it to be. So there's definitely a kind of uh, a good middle ground with that because if you don't put if you if you don't put enough on it, it goes too dry, uh, even on a wet palette. Um, so yeah, I, I'm thinking of replacing my red grass games. I've got a new Kickstarter coming up on the 20th of May um, for a new version of their one um, which I'd, I'd been tempted to buy previously so I, I may pull the trigger on that um, um, because it's a bit more compact than the one I'm using at the moment um, but yeah I, I like I like using a wet palette yeah. no, it, it just seemed like a logical thing to get and I, once I'd sort of got it in front of me um, I was quite surprised that I hadn't hadn't bought one before, but you know, some, I hope the hobby, um, sorry, I hope the listeners have, have stuck with us through this little section. I, I did monologue quite a bit, but I spent a lot of money, and I felt like I needed to justify it to everybody because I'm I'm definitely not going to spend any money this coming month. <laughs> <laughs> what a load of shite! What a load of shite! More lies. I think we should just start guessing how much money each of us are going to spend, rather than say we're not going to spend any money. I think we should probably just like say, uh, I, "I I reckon you're probably going to spend about uh, more than fifty quid, but less than a hundred quid next time." Oh, actually, I think that's a really good game. We should do that. Yeah. Fuck yeah, let's do that. Right. We'll think about it, and next episode we'll set rules on how we do it. Yeah. I think I think that kind of works because like who are we fucking kidding? Like <laughs> someone comes out literally every time I say I'm not going to buy anything, someone comes out and I'm like, ooh, I quite like that. Like yeah. uh, this 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 month, uh, the reveals were uh, for Warhammer Fest, uh, where um, the new uh, demigod Kragnos uh, is being released for Age of Sigmar, and I was like, yeah, I'll probably buy that. Yeah, so like a good big model. Yeah, I mean there was a there was a retail store, a retail store in Edinburgh, um, Red Dice Games, I think it's called. 
Yeah. And they, obviously, they were my local store when I lived in Edinburgh. And I still follow the page and stuff. And, and they posted that they had a copy of um, Cursed City, Warhammer Quest. Okay. And they were selling it for 20% off, um, not 20%, whatever. They had some percentage off retail. You know, so it was like £112.50. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at it, and then some guy got in there and said, yep, I'll buy it. I'll be there within, you know, 24 hours. And so I stuck my neck in and said, you know what, if that falls through, you know, I'll buy it. And then the guy must have come in like 15 minutes before the shop closed, because I thought, I was talking to the store, and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to actually have to buy this. Fuck. <laughs> well, you, uh, those things are like hen's teeth, because um, yeah. um, there's some sort of problem with, um, there's, there's numerous rumours going around the internet right now as to what the issue is, whether it be um, pricing of things like card stock, uh, but the more the more kind of interesting one is a is an IP issue related to a name within the uh, the game itself, uh, not belonging to GW. Uh, like I said, it's just hearsay and rumor, uh, but um, that's the strongest one to come out. So they've actually yeah. they've kind of cancelled it uh, effectively. And I noticed today that the uh, some of the uh, Soul Boy Grave Lords announcements for today, um, for pre-orders next week, um, are some of the models from that box. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see any more of that. So you're unlucky you didn't get that one. Yeah, but it's that moment of you know I'm not going to spend any money. I'm not going to spend any money. Um, you want to buy this for a hundred quid? Yep. Yeah. Money flies out the flies out the account. But anyway. <laughs> So, I guess though, rookie uh, TOs, now is the time to uh, stop fast forwarding. If you got bored of our my monologue, uh, we're now onto the part where we're going to start talking about the the tournament, the tournament run up itself. Um, Phil, I, I truly feel like I've spoken quite a bit. Do you want to pick up and and start the ball rolling on this one? Oh motherfucker! Uh, right, okay. Are we uh, not, so, are you not prepared? I can I can uh, if you want. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll do it. Um, I'll start. I'll start off and uh, give you a wee bit of a break. Um, so, I think uh, where we got to last time round, um, we were um, coming into the the run up to the event itself. Um, so, I think we're we're going to look at this more from sort of a twenty four hour period before uh, you're due to actually start having your uh, tournament attendees arriving. Um, so tw- 24 hours out uh, now folk might think oh Christ it's just people trying to be overly kind of uh, prescriptive about stuff here but no you can't be, a, I can't stress you can't be too organised with this you have to be an organised person uh, half hours and stuff like this means that your attendees get a, a less than exciting uh, experience if things start going wrong so anything you can do yeah. to minimise things going wrong is is good. So twenty four hours before, um, like we've discussed this before, you know, like you keep an eye out and uh, on, on what's happening with your player base because inevitably you will get some last minute queries. You might get some last minute. Oh, uh, I've suddenly become free. Can I attend? Uh, sort of chat. You might get some. Oh, uh, I've someone's come up. I can't come now. Sort of chat. 
Um, so keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out on your emails. Uh, make yourself uh, available for talking to folk if you can. Um, so that's that's an important one um, in terms of visibility, I guess. Um, one of the things that I, I can't remember whether we mentioned it last time, Al, but um, ro- rosters. Um, it, yeah, it's be, it's become a lot easier to get rosters to people prior to events now, and it's become more of a kind of um, so it's almost a norm now that uh, rather than sort of rocking up with a paper handwritten copy that looks like somebody's uh, chucked a paralytic spider covered in ink all over it and trying to decipher it as a cue is forming up behind that person. Uh, most people will, will submit a roster uh, or ask for a, a roster to be submitted rather prior to the event. Um, so that's the other thing. I mean, how, how, how far ahead do you reckon, Al, Al for that? I, with the roster creation and sending it into a TO, that, again, this is down to the TO's discretion. And if you need time, if you feel you need time to check them in your own life, uh, give yourself a week, a week out. For myself, though, um, when it comes to Blood Bowl and checking of rosters, I would try not put as big a barrier up to anybody. So I would encourage, um, you know, any sort of last minute signups of people that are, are dithering. So I... I would actually be okay taking rosters on the day and then uh, spending the first round checking them. That would be my own personal yeah. personal level at this. You know, for a nice one-day event, you know, 20, 30 people, you can check those rosters in half an hour. I think, I think if you're doing, I think if you're doing that, I think you, you need to check the rosters before the, before dice have been rolled because um once that person's so say there's an error in there, once that person's started, you either have to make a decision as to whether that game is viable. Because um, it's difficult it's a difficult position to put both people in. Because if you're in yeah. if you're if you're in a point where that game ends up being a, a deciding factor and you've rectified it post that game, but that game ends up being a deciding factor in who's who's won the tournament. Um, I think that's too late, personally. Like, I don't have any issue with, like, if you're running a small tournament where you've maybe got somewhere between 10 and 20 players, and it's a one day, I don't have any issue with checking them on the day. Um, my personal preference would be to have them in advance so I can go through them. Uh, because you'd be surprised how many errors people uh, do have on these things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could I could feasibly uh, run through ten to twenty rosters just before the dice were the first dice were thrown. Um, yeah, any more than that, and it would be problematic. I think, um, and I certainly wouldn't want to do be doing it during the first round. Because there will be somebody who will complain if if it's a fuck up, yeah. and if and if you want to if you want to stop a game and then restart it with a correct roster, 
you've got to think about how deep into the game they were at that point mm-hmm. and yeah so I think that's that's down to the rookie TO's discretion and, and how they manage their time but uh, you know do you want to see the rosters in advance how far in advance or are you comfortable looking at them on the day and I, I suppose one thing the rookie TO's would have to balance out as well is that sometimes there's an expectation from your player base they want to see what races are going to be represented at their event, even though they are locked into playing Wood Elves or whatever. They want to see, you know, how many Dwarf players there are, how many Elf players there are, human players. They want to see the makeup um, of the races. So it's whether or not you want to feed that that information back um, to your players once all the rosters are submitted. Um, But again, I see that as a, uh, maybe not so much as a barrier, but as something that would influence players attending at the last minute. And I want, I would want to keep that door open um, until the morning of the event. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that being a, a kind of good tactic uh, for sort of mopping up any last minute people. Um, like, like I'm not. I'm less less pressed about folks seeing stuff like that because I, I worry. Um, that it also might have a negative effect in, on attendees. You know, like if you've got, uh, if you've thought, oh, this is a great tournament for me to run my uh, Wood Elf roster, and then you find out that everybody's gone super tackle heavy, bash heavy, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there thinking, oh, I'm having second thoughts about this. Uh, I don't really fancy it anymore. You know, like it, it can maybe have a, a, a negative effect on people's enjoyment before they even started. True. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm less keen on on showing that, but I I don't have a problem if other TOs want to do that, and I'm playing at the thing. Um, I'm not I'm not fussed. I know likes of uh, UKTC and World Cup and stuff like that. The rosters are all published well in, in advance, yeah. Uh, so you can actually see what you're playing against. You know who you're playing against, and you can theory craft and have a chat about it, and that kind of. If you're going away to a tournament, that's pretty cool as well. Sometimes is sitting and having a chat about knowing, knowing your opponent the follow uh, the first game the following day, and having a chat with your mates uh, about how you might approach that game. Yeah, uh, that that can be can be fun, but it can also not be fun as well. You know, it's uh, um, uh, I've definitely fallen into both categories like that myself. But with with that roster chat, it reminds me of another good thing that within twenty four hours the rookie TO should do. And this is going to sound so odd for them, but read your own players back again. And my theory yeah. on saying that is that we're talking about a, a length of time between you creating your players pack, putting it out into the the public view, setting up your event, taking people's money, organising venues, or uh, sponsors, etc. And so once you've sent it out, you probably haven't looked at it for a month or two or a couple of months. Read your pack again, uh, just to make sure you're fully up to speed with any of the uh, the scoring that's going to happen in terms of bonus points or however you've worked it. Uh, stuff that your your um, your players are going to ask you, because <laughs> we did a we did a podcast on how to be a good player at an event, and all we said to them, all we constantly said was, "Read the fucking players' pack. Read the fucking players' pack." 
to the rookie TOs, I am going to assume that your players have not listened to our episode, so they will not have read the players' <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah, so. and and he made a really good point as well about reading it yourself, anyway, because um, we mentioned in the previous um, uh, TOs uh, guide part one that um, you should be running this as almost like a live FAQ doc as well. Mm-hmm. So when when players are asking you questions you may need to be in advance of the tournament and sort of eking out things that you may have missed in your tournament pack, which which happens quite regularly. You may have made changes to the tournament pack that you don't remember having made. So you, you yep. should be going back into that live document and looking at it and, and making yourself aware because you don't want to be thinking you're doing something some way and then everybody else is turning up knowing that you've changed it and approaching it in another way. Uh, You need to be in the right mindset and in the right space for whatever tournament you've created. And like Al said, read your damn rules pack yourself as Mm -hmm. well. And again, this is a good natural flow from it. 24 hours out, you will already know what laptop and what IT you're going to be using um, for running your event on your day. And Mm -hmm. I know in part one, uh, we spoke about the program called Score. Uh, that is probably used in what ninety-five percent of um, individual blood bowl tournaments. That would be right to say, would it not? Yeah, there's a good, there's a there'll be a good chunk of people using Score for sure, and there'll be a good chunk of people using um, a spreadsheet that will feed into Score, or, or is it is Score compatible so that it can then be up to, uploaded to um, the NAF uh, site. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you need to know what you're doing. And previously in the part one, we told you to test run it. So we're not mm-hmm. going to cover that again. Um, go back to episode eight and listen again, though. But what you want to do now, twenty four hours out, is to populate some of the fields within your within score or or your spreadsheet in terms of your player names and the the teams and races that they're going to use uh, this is a it's a time saving thing so that on the morning while registration is going you're not typing their names in basically all you'll be doing is as people register you'll be looking down your list that you've already already drafted and you can change the color on the cell or just put a little tick next to it or mark it however you yeah. see fit so that all you'll be doing will be deleting lines instead of having to add everything in uh, this is this is to save you time and it also gets you used to being in front of the laptop and looking at that particular program that you're going to be using for your entire day the next day yeah definitely i think that's uh you're you're spot on with the time saving there it's a lot less time um intense deleting one or two lines of people who haven't turned up than uh actually inputting NAF name, NAF number, uh, team name, um, race, all in while people are standing uh, waiting. Uh, yeah. We either kick off or uh, register. You know, it's, it's the way to go. Yeah. Sure. Uh, for my own personal input there, I, uh, you know, for Blood Bowl, it is score that I use and that Phil use. Um, 
when I do a bolt action event, I use a program called um, Best Coast Pairings. But beside that, there's always an Excel spreadsheet uh, that, that keeps track of um, individual people's scores and also records their names and registration details, just in case any of these other programs fail. So that, is a good that, that's it. That's really important. I think uh, you have to expect that something may may go wrong. And having, like Al said there, the ability to then re-enter everything, if need be, after the tournament um, or while people are um, uh, playing another, uh, playing the next game, is great. You know, um, I think uh, f- from our side, we we've definitely. We've always run a separate spreadsheet anyway because we've had um, alternate score bonus points and stuff bonus going points, uh, that that don't lend themselves to to score, and that's not really the kind of importance. The final um, result always comes out of our spreadsheet anyway. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think uh, I think it's uh, it's a, it's important to back to. It's almost like having a fail safe. Yeah, definitely go that route. Um, so, I guess if I'm finishing off, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, that if this is sort of the day before, the night before, the the thing you want to do once that is is pack your bag, um, and if, if there's an odd one, I, I when I wrote the notes, but if you even want to pre-pack your vehicle that you're getting there, um, by putting in any of your prize support, your trophies, uh you know, your computer, any other little bits and bobs that you feel that you're going to need on the day. So yeah, I think, in, I think depending on where you live, that's probably a good, a good thing to do. Like if you've yeah. got a fairly secure uh, sort of driveway or uh, garage or something like that, that you, uh, you leave your car in um, or you're in a more suburban area and you're less likely to kind of get your car broken into, then yeah, I would say you're pretty safe packing all your stuff there and then at the very least you should have your stuff packed and ready to go and all in the one location so you're not trying to find it all in the morning yeah um but yeah if you if you're worried that your car might get turned over during the night and uh somebody may not even just steal your ship but just uh, spread it all around the inside of your street uh, mm-hmm. because they don't know what it is and don't care then yeah maybe leave it in your house but yeah. you should definitely have it all kind of together in the one place i think then a thought just occurred to me and it flows on the sort of when we spoke about having backup you know the spreadsheet or to score or to whatever is on the day how are your players recording their actual results now i truly can't remember phil if we spoke about this back in part one can you can you recall uh, no, but we spoke about it in the um, the uh, uh, tournaments for beginners, uh, I think the attending tournaments. Yep, uh, that's that we did. I, I definitely remember talking about it there. Um, but as we've already mentioned in this podcast, uh, let's assume that nobody's listened to that one because people are idiots. But as the TO, you have to decide how your player's going to record the results. And we are only going to give you one message and it is in complete unison, you must 100% have a score sheet 
for each game and each table every round. There is no negotiation with myself or Phil on this one. Yeah, I think everybody's probably used an app to put in results, or a good chunk of people have used an app to put in results now. Um, But, I mean, I still think having a written record is is great you know i mean we we it doesn't have to have much on it it just needs um whatever your factors are beyond the the number of touchdowns number of casualties uh for and against and that and the NAF names or numbers or whatever team names whatever your identifier you're putting in there it doesn't need to be much above that other than your um bonus points anything that you've uh, made clear that is a point scoring mechanism. So I mean, we we've got quite a small a template uh, that we uh, use, and like you print them off, you cut them up, uh, you're good to go. They're all ready. You've got enough to see you through the day with some spares, and you make sure people record it, and you make sure folk fill in what they're supposed to be filling in. Yeah, cannot stress. It's just foolhardy not to do this. As Phil said, the score recording sheet should is dead simple. A table number, round number, player A, player B, a, and then record touchdowns and casualties. That's as as a sort of bare bare minimum. Um, and that way that if, if there's a IT failure, power cut, or whatever it is you have got a written record of the previous round's results and it means that you, you know, it's going to be a lot of paperwork, but you can actually still generate a draw without any sort of IT help. You know something as well, I, I would advocate for having each of the players sign it as well. It's almost like a contract at that point that both people are happy with what's been written down. Yeah. Um, so that when the, somebody turns up and, and says, oh, that was wrong, um, you can have a chat with both of the people that are there and uh, make sure that it's correct and remind them that they both signed it and said that it was correct before they handed it over. So to check it again next time before they sign it and don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I mean, that's maybe going a, a, a step further, but um, it, certainly, it certainly helps with making sure people put a bit of effort into completing it properly, uh, yeah. in my experience. I agree, and and that should be for any wargaming event. Um, I have heard too many stories and watched too many tournaments almost collapse uh, because of lack of you know a backup um, for recording results. And uh, you know, if you guys are are truly listening to our podcast with a with a mind of running an event, please just you know. Do do a lot of what we say. Um, this is good advice. And if you're if you're stuck for what a, a score sheet looks like, drop us a message and we'll email you what ours looks like. I'm sure we can do that, Phil. Uh, yeah, I should have it somewhere. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll, we'll dig it up. It's it's not. It really isn't. It, it it's not a complicated thing. You can drop something in. Um, PowerPoint or Excel or Word pretty easily um, and space it out so that you've got enough and then you just rinse and repeat however many coffees you think you're going to need. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it, it's just, it's just a, 
it's it's good, you know. I mean, anything that makes your life easier as a TO um, is not a bad thing. You might think, oh fuck, I've got to print off all this shit. I don't have a printer. One of your mates will have a printer. Your work will have a printer. Yep. Just 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 go for it. Uh, it Find makes your life way. a lot easier. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's the night before. Um, go to sleep. <laughs> Hi, get, get a decent night's sleep. Yeah. Get a decent night's sleep. And see the morning of the event. Get up reasonably early. And I feel like I'm a mother hen here, but have a good fucking breakfast and drink a lot of fluids at the start. Because uh, tournament day is fun, but you'll be busy. So you've actually got to be on your A game and not. Not go in with a stinking hangover. Yeah. Genuinely, you know, I don't think I've seen a TO properly hungover, but I've seen a few TOs turn up looking a little bit shaky. Uh, and every now and then they turn up late. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a TO turn up late, but they have. And uh, so when you're when you're getting ready to leave, you know, obviously we you'll have pre-packed. Yeah, it'll be sitting in a space somewhere in your in your apartment or home or in your car. Uh, leave with plenty of time to get to the venue. And my my recommendation, and I, I don't know if Phil will concur here, but get to your venue an hour and a half at least before the registration time in your players' bank. What's your thoughts on that, Phil? I think that's very much down to you and the venue. Uh, the venue might not want to see you that early. Um, yeah. It depends. It really depends. But yeah, I think if you, the earliest that you can get there without being a an additional bugbear or stress causer for the the venue themselves, um, if the venue's happy with you turning up an hour and a half, I'm sure they'll tell you. If they're not, I'm sure they'll tell you. Um, but yeah, I I would say you want to be turning up in advance of the people that are attending, and some of them will turn up early. You know, I'm like that. I'll turn up usually about quarter of an hour, half an hour early for a tournament. Usually built that into my uh um travel uh travel time so I um if I've got any delays anywhere I I can get there a bit earlier. Uh, or or with time to spare uh before registration starts. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. And I agree with the the making sure you've had a good night's sleep. Um you're gonna have people testing your patience all the way through that day or the two days. You don't want to be turning up grotty and uh, bad-tempered uh, or significantly more grotty or bad-tempered than you already are. Um, and then taking it out on the rest of your tournament attendees when they're being awkward, because there exactly. will always be awkward people there. Yeah. So yeah, um, uh, good sleep, good breakfast, coffee, whatever your poison is in the morning. Uh, just get in you. So once you've actually made it to your venue and uh, the first thing you want to do is make contact with the host, you know, whatever manager or, you know, facilitators there and just run through all your timings with them because you're, you are their customer and you're paying them money to provide the facilities and services. So you want to make sure that what you've communicated with them uh, has been communicated and that they understand what what your expectations of them are. So confirming the timings for any breaks, you know, if they're providing lunch, 
Uh, if there's a bar, you know, you'll know what it is you need to confirm with them. Uh, from a health and safety aspect, have a quick walk through the venue to make sure um, any fire escapes and toilet facilities are located. Because this is something that the, the players that you've invited or that have paid you, uh, you need to be able to communicate communicate that to them. Um, you know, I think at that any... point as well, you, you can agree with the venue or the host uh, who's going to do that Come, I mean, you can um, ask them to do it uh, if, if you're not comfortable with their health and safety setup. Uh, um and don't think you're going to give it the justice it needs. Uh, they're they're trained and know how to communicate that to people who are attending their um, um, their venues. So de- definitely want to do that. Um, and then uh, once you've confirmed that, yeah, I think you're you're looking at kind of um, giving a giving a walk through of the actual room that you're doing and checking that all the tables are in the right positions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you've agreed with them layout wise, um, somebody may not have caught the nuances of it because, believe it or not, people who uh, run venues aren't uh, board gamers, uh, so they may not understand that you want it a particular way, and the people who were just decking out the room uh, the night before I've just bunged all the tables uh, higgledy piggledy uh, if you've turned up a little bit earlier you've now got that time to rearrange the tables a little bit and put table numbers on uh, which I would recommend as well uh, yep so yeah and just any little sort of minor adjustments uh, that are needed done uh, to keep to keep it kind of flowing uh, properly spacing. I mean, I, I guess there won't be things like social distancing going forward, but in current times, uh, you'd have to check that everything was set out. You might actually end up be- better off in terms of table setup uh, right now because people will actually be looking at uh, tables meters apart and stuff like that, as opposed to uh, how many tables can we just bung together here? So, yeah, so yeah, it's all that's good. true. That's very true. Um, the other thing you've got to think about, though, is your own little area, your little sort of TO's castle. Um, so it's where where you can you set yourself up. You'll have probably identified this when you were booking the venue itself, um, but you want to get a sort of nice little table in a quiet-ish area, but where you can still see uh, all the other tables, just so you can oversee all the games. I uh, I'm a big fan of having a data projector for any sort of pre, pre-event pre briefing and for also displaying the draws. Uh, I don't know what your your own preference on that is, Phil. Yeah, I'm the same. If you if you, if you can get a hand on of one, uh, the venue may well have one. Um, I wouldn't advocate going out and buying one for yourself or anything like that, but uh, if there's one available at the venue, um, it's an easy when because you can then not have to shout out uh, who's playing who and um, you can have a nice handy PowerPoint presentation um, going through what's happening. Presentations are good. Um, So yeah, I think a a projector and screen. um, When you've discussed this with the venue, make sure you know, make sure they know what your laptop connection is and make sure you know what their uh, 
their connection end is so that you, you have the correct lead to allow you to connect those things together. Exactly. Uh, because if you turn up with your laptop and you turn up with, uh, they've got their projector and you've got fuck all to connect it to, uh, it's pointless. You've wasted your time there. Exactly. And then once everything's set up, test it. Make sure, yes. Make sure the you know if you're using the Wi-Fi for whatever reason, make sure it's working. Do your own sort of setup. Um, if there's any welcome gifts, I know we discussed this in depth in episode eight, the the first part of the TO's guide, uh, your registration system, and then if you want to set up the prizes and the trophies uh, in your area, uh, some players or some TOs don't do this until day two. I think it's always pretty cool to have it set up on day one just so people can get a little bit excited and you know, see what they're here for. Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. I mean, it it kind of it's a nice visual kind of aspect to the, the game, and it also kind of gives, uh, as you say, some some people a bit of uh, a kind of excitement on on what they could be winning. You know, especially if you've got a really strong prize pool. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's it's nice. Yeah, I think I think location of the, of your table is important as well. You know, like we're talking about projectors and stuff like that, so you may be limited to where you can put it as a result of that. But you have to think about things like, um, so if you're running a top table, like a table one, um, you probably don't want that sitting right next to your the table that you're at because all the way through, especially in the latter stages, all the way through the, the game, there will be people coming and gravitating towards your central table uh, to hand over results, a bit of chit-chat, ask questions. Um, I think having the uh, the top table a little bit away from uh, from that uh, is a good, good thing. Advice. Um, it's good a nice, advice. a nice kind of bit of calm from that. And then one one of the things you've got to watch with uh, with that is people congregating around top tables and stuff like that. I think we've mentioned that before. Um, yeah, I think we spoke about that in the players' guide. Yeah, being comfortable to tell well, as a TO, being comfortable to tell folk to get the fuck out of the way uh, and leave them to it, you know, rather than hovering over people's shoulders. Um, but yeah, I think um, knowing where your players are um, and being far enough away that you're not Im- Im- impacting on their playing as well, but close enough that you can keep a- an eye on on what's going on. I think yeah. it's probably good. And so I think yeah. now, with all that being said and done. Uh, that brings us up to the arrival. We've actually got players walking through the door now. Yes. That's exciting. Good fucking luck. See you later. Bye. End of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, think, no, no, no. I, I think you're probably up until the point folks start uh, arriving, the natural response is for everybody to kind of uh, be a bit 50p, 20p and the, and the old asshole as to whether anybody's actually going to turn up for the thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, once you start seeing people arrive, hopefully your spirits will be lifted a little bit, uh, knowing that people are coming, um, and, uh, be aware that not everybody will turn up at the same time. So, um, you may be peaks and troughs on that as well. So keep yourself occupied. Yeah. And I think, uh, we're, we're quite, uh, militant about this at our tournaments, but God, Absolutely. Keep, keep, keep the registration moving. I don't want to hear about um, how sweaty so-and-so is uh, at nine o'clock in the morning. I don't want to hear about somebody's mum right first thing uh, there, no matter how much 
interest I have in it uh, for zero reasons. I just want to get whatever tournament attendee gift I have in my hand into your sweaty palm. You to tell me uh, that you're here. Hand me your roster if I'm checking it off, and I want you to get the fuck out of my sight so the next chump can come in. Yeah, that's keep it. Moving. That is literally, literally what what most TOs want is a is a swift kind of thing. Don't stand around badgering the TO trying to bend their ear off. The TOs will come and chat to you once they've got everybody in, uh, if they're your mate or they just walk in the room or what have you. Uh, give them a bit of space to get the job going. I know that it's good and you'll be excited to see all these faces. Uh, some of them should be old friends. Some of them will be people you don't know and you want to get to meet them. But the registration, it's its almost like this is the start of the ticking clock. Um, you said registration opens from you know 8.30 in the morning until 9.00. So you actually need to get them registered within that time. And, you know, if they want to chat, that wastes time. Uh, that could be better spent. So keep it moving, keep it slick, and stick to your timings. Don't waste a single second. And once you've got them all registered, then it's time to just give them that quick briefing. If that means bringing in the representative from the venue to talk about, you know, fire alarms, evacuation points, toilets, etc., then then bring them in. Uh, if you're happy to do it, you should do it. Uh, if you're, you know, so inclined to have created a, a PowerPoint uh, to talk through all of that, that would be better for big fans of PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but also lay out the timings for the rounds and a quick touch on the players and how you expect them to behave. Uh, something about Blood Bowl players is they love they love a bit of back chat, don't they? Bunch of fuckers. Yeah, salty back chat. Yeah, and somebody will be out there. They'll make a joke or something. It's like just shut, tell them to shut the fuck up. You know, they're this is important. They should be listening to you and laying down the round times and and oh, I can't remember again if we spoke about this in the first part, but. Just restate and reinforce that timings are uh, not negotiable. So rounds will start at you know two o'clock or whatever, and anybody that, that shows up late will be will be penalised. Yeah, and re- restate that the clock the clock starts from that. Yeah, like like you said, the clock starts from the moment you say it starts from. Doesn't matter whether exactly. somebody needs to take take their shoes off and uh, go for a wee wander to the bar. Doesn't matter if somebody needs to go for a piss or go for a fag before they're uh, before they start playing. Nobody gives a shit about that as a TO. The clock starts from the point that you say the clock starts from. Exactly. So we're now at that exciting point where you will then sit down and generate the first draw uh, for round one. And when I was writing the notes, I can't remember why I wrote it, but uh, actually, oh no, I deleted it, but it's like, don't generate the round until registration is completely done and until you have given them the briefing. Um, that's when you generate the draw. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right there. You don't want to be generating the round and then one person from the round, uh, one person not turning up 
Yeah. And then, oh, that's the other thing. We, 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 I guess we've not mentioned as well. You may or may not be playing in this tournament. Uh, so uh, you have to factor everything uh, that you're doing in around that. Hopefully yeah. you're smart enough to uh, buddy up with a, uh, a fellow organizer who will then um, take the heat uh, in terms of data entry if you have to do that. That's one of the reasons Al and I do it together is uh, one of us will play if, if need be. Um, but you, you may need to play or or hop in if it becomes uneven numbers. Um, so you should have a roster and models available for yourself as well. Exactly. Uh, and regardless and of whether you think you're going to have to or not, uh, just in case is, something doesn't turn up on the day. And this is one of the benefits of having the results written down. It means that you can just set, play your game, people will fill in the results and put them in a little box next to your laptop. Uh, so that when it comes down to it, you are just doing data entry. Uh, you know, for small tournaments, some people just fill in the results as they come in with people verbally telling you them. You're not going to do that because you've got little um, result sheets, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes, 100%. Should be no, no arguments uh, and no uh, mistakes uh, if you've got written evidence that uh, a round's been handed in, you've then input it into whatever system you're using and whatever backup spreadsheet. You hope, I mean, the, 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 the kind of best case scenario is you're going to be sitting there uh, not playing yourself and you, you will be twiddling your thumbs, uh, having a walk around, keeping things uh, fresh and um, look, uh, attending to anybody who's got any queries or maybe having a drink yourself for 90% of the time that they're doing it. But past a certain point, folk will start turning up with results and you just start uh, populating stuff as you go yep. rather than waiting until the, the last minute. Some of the best conversations that myself and Phil have had um, at events when we've been to and, and we're both sitting there, laptop in front of us, the round's going. Uh, we have gone round each table in our heads. Like We've sat there and spoke about it. We've gone around each table in our heads and argued as to who would win if they had to fight for real, like in a brawl in the car park. <laughs> yes. or, or we've gone around and imagined what Marvel superhero they would be. And, yes. then, and then who would win if they had a fight in the car park. Yep. <laughs> it, it's and, uh, and, these small things that keep you entertained all the yep. way through. Uh, the and day. that was a great place to be because it meant that there were 20 tables with 20 games being played and nobody had any issues. The TOs weren't needed for anything. So we sat there, ate sweets, drank, drank juice and imagined, you know, if they, uh, you know, who would, who would win between, you know, who was it, the kilted Kiwi and who was he playing at the time? Well, I, I can't it, remember. But Kil- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But Kilted Kiwi, Kiwi was Hulk anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter who Kilted Kiwi was playing. He always won. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But for for the um, for the rookie TOs now, now that you're into it, that's your first round underway, and it is now just a matter of uh, data entry and ensuring the integrity of that data and making sure that it's backed up. Yes. Uh, and sticking to times. So 
if any, you should be giving people fair warning for, uh, you know, one hour gone, two hour gone, and for between 15, 15, 10 and five minutes left of the round. And all your players should understand that when you say dice down, the game ends right there. Yes, absolutely. And we've mentioned to people um, in the uh, the attendees uh, side of this, uh, if you're worried about time management, uh, stuff like um, um, clocks and stuff like that need to be kind of pulled into play. Um, your TO will, as a TO, you will be wandering around looking at games that are running a, a bit low on, uh, uh, on time. Uh, g people up, maybe mentioning uh, to them that they may want to go on a clock if they don't want to not have the game finish. Mm. Uh, so you, that's what your walk-arounds are useful for during the round as well, getting a good sense for where people are in their games. There's always some people who try to play to time. Uh, there's some people who just uh, are having a good time and have a chat uh, and uh, run out of time or run close to time because they're um, enjoying themselves, which is fine, you know, but uh, yeah, remember anything that mucks up your time schedule impacts the tournament in general. So, yeah, keep an eye on the time for other people, but make sure that you remind them to be responsible for that yourself. Yeah. And so then you'll just proceed through the first round, as we've said, through the second round, through the third round. Um, it should all just be rinse and repeat uh, type stuff. You'll have some lunch. Oh, some advice during this time to the rookie TOs. Um, don't get drunk. If yeah. you've got a bar on hand, uh, you know, have a beer or two or a vodka or two or whatever your poison is, but you shouldn't have any more than two alcoholic drinks during the day. Yeah, I think while you're, knowing, while you're running knowing, the event. Knowing your limits and being a responsible person um, is going to come cap in hand with this, you know, because you're trying to make sure that everybody has an enjoyable time, but you need to still enjoy yourself here as well. Uh, so unless you are an absolute mess after a, a bottle of beer, a solitary bottle of beer, I think having a couple is probably fine. Uh, but any more than that, things start it can start to get a bit sloppy. And remember, you're um, custodian of this tournament for these other people, so you don't want it to be shit because you're an absolute mess. So, yeah, I, I think that. I think um, one of the other things around uh, around sort of lunch and stuff like that is is making sure, um, like you said before, you're clear on timings, and you usually leave a little bit longer for the lunch period. Don't don't think that, that allows you to let people play over into that. Um, it might be tempting to let people have a little bit longer because lunch is a longer period of time. Stick to your timings because if you do that, and then somebody else moans later on, oh, they had like X amount of uh, minutes extra in their um, uh, in the game before lunch. You've then got to justify why you did that. It's it's just a, 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 put your, don't put yourself in that position. Um, and, also, the people that, who end up playing longer have less time to eat, and they're not going to thank you for that either. In the end of the day, yeah, and it's even if both players at the table agree. To play into lunch, refuse them. Yeah, timing. Refuse them. No, that's really good. Um, so we don't really need to chat about anything more. 
until we get up to the awards and the wrap-up. So once round three is finished, uh, actually there's a few things to think about while round three is finishing up. You want to make sure people get the results in uh, to you as quickly as possible. Uh, for those people that are finishing early, it's, n it's a nice custom for them to do a little bit of a tidy up of the venue. So, you know, if there's bags, empty crisp packets, trash, debris, uh, you know, empty glasses from alcohol, have them take it to the bar or put, put stuff in bins. Just give it a quick tidy up. It's a nice courtesy to the venue. Um, and it also makes the room look a little bit a little bit tidier. Your top table and your second table, they will be quite heated. And you would hope, because they're your top, they're your top four players playing for the podium positions potentially. And as Phil has already mentioned, and I think we've alluded to in the uh, the players' guide to going to an event, you want to make sure they have a lot of space. So there's no people chatting over their ear. There's no background noise. And um, just let them let them play their game. So and and it's as the TO, it's up to you to police that. Because uh, one thing I've found from war gamers is they've got no fucking sense of personal space, like no. none. And you know I've been playing, you know, bolt action or Warhammer forty thousand, and you know how you've got like a six foot by four foot table. I've literally had somebody standing right beside me observing as I'm trying to move around the table, and I've actually had to tell them to to go. Um, to fuck off. And it, this happens with Blood Bowl players as well. You'll have them standing, you know, six inches away from you and you'll turn around and there'll be like some big fat sweaty gut hanging right in your eye, eye line. Yeah, it's, it's not even just that, you know, it's like folk who are standing like with their, maybe even with their backs to the table chatting, you know, I mean, I, I've had every single tournament I've TO'd, uh, at least once around, I've had to tell people to get out of the way. You know, like, mm -hmm. just uh, go and stand next to a game that's playing. Go and have a drink. Go and have a chat. There's, like, an, a large amount of space over there where you can just have a chat comfortably and not impact somebody else's experience. Yeah. It annoys me when I'm playing. Like, I, I think anybody, you've got to kind of be... Con uh, cognizant of what's going on around you um, both when you're playing and when you're uh, sort of in your downtime between rounds and observing games is uh, not, not the right thing to do I don't think no. not at all but once, once those games are played and you've inputted the data you will um, you'll be in a position to generate the results this is going to be an odd one to say but Double check what you've what you've inputted. Uh, you will have a written record, and you'll have, you'll have checked every round, you know, through rounds one and two. But when it comes to round three, just double check. It's the end of the day. Everybody's tired, including you, and you should be happy. You know, have a nice sense of satisfaction that your event's almost done and that people have had fun. Check check what you're inputting because you're about to announce the results and once you've opened your mouth uh, you've, you're kind of committed and you want to make sure you've got it right 
Well, yeah, I mean, you, nobody wants to be the, the person that kind of ends up having to climb back down and say, oh, well, sorry, I fucked that up. There's a, um, I've made a mistake. You didn't win that. I've been to one tournament where that happened and uh, it was an absolute shambles and yeah. nobody left that tournament uh, knowing who'd won what uh, or or actually knowing what what, what what the score was, you know, like, like you kind of, like everybody left that thinking, fuck, they just witness, you know. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that and you mentioned that in the part one of the, the Dio's guide as well, so uh, it's definitely, definitely true. Definitely a thing. Yeah, I think um, the other thing to to bear in mind uh, when you're getting to that to that sort of end of the uh, the tournament is like like Al said, ch- check everything over again. Uh, but I mean, good practice. I can't remember if we mentioned this uh, in the first one. Good practice between rounds is to save a copy of what you're doing. So you can always go back one level and re-input it. So if you've yeah. got score, save multiple instances of it with uh, whatever nomenclature you've got um, throughout the way. So be, actually call it round one draw, round two draw, round three draw, etc. Because uh, then you can always go back one step. If you're constantly overwriting one uh, one on top of the other and you make a mistake, Unpicking that means you have to go all the way back to starting and inputting data from scratch. If you're doing it, uh, saving copies uh, on increments, uh, you, uh, you only have to go back one. It's just one round that you're inputting. Yeah. So it well, definitely makes a difference. Phil, if you remember for us, we have two copies of score for each round. We do the, uh, before we click the draw, and then, mm-hmm. and then we've got the save copy with the this, the results. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's two copies. So that if we need to if we need to go you know all the way back to the start to input results, we can. Or if we just need to go back and cross check results that we've inputted, we can. So um, it's a good it's a good thing. Uh, some more advice on the award section to the to the rookie dios. Be fucking speedy about it. This is going to sound so odd, but uh, I, I fucking hate listening to Dio blether on during the award ceremony about pretty much anything. You know, thanking people, how much hard work it is. Uh, I don't care about other people's games. This is me talking as a as a participant. Um, I don't prance around. I'm thinking about the. I'm not going to say the event. I had a good. I had a good time there. Um, I just got annoyed at the end a little bit because I was quite drunk as well. So, um, <laughs> but keep it keep it short and sharp and to the point, just the same as your registration was. Because you've got to bear in mind that people have had a long day. They might have long trips home. Um, alcohol is a factor. Fatigue's a factor. Uh, do your thank yous make sure you mention your sponsors again and then present the awards uh, as you see fit yes I mean you, you've probably been clear in your rules pack that nobody's read uh, what the different uh, prizes are um, uh, so you 
if you've if you've stipulated in that that um, people won't be awarded more than one prize. So if you win the tournament and you also come as uh, top uh, most touchdowns or most casualties, uh, you won't get the prize for that latter one you it'll be given to uh to the next person if you've done something like that be clear about that again um and uh, and make sure people are aware of that because uh you know, like i think that that's kind of a quite a common practice amongst uh wargaming tournaments where you don't um you don't end up with one player walking away with the entire prize thing um so yeah i'll i'll just, I'll just go out there on the record mate i think if you win it you deserve it yeah, I think um, it depends on the it depends on the the tournament. Um, I'm not fussed either way, you know. Like I think uh, um, if I've won the tournament um, and um, won most touchdowns, I think winning the tournament is probably more important. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm not I'm not fussed, uh, but I can see I can see it not being an issue for most people either. Yeah, I look at it from this perspective. Um, you know, I have to win a tournament and I have the most touchdowns and I get my award for winning the ball. If I'm the player that wins the award for most touchdowns and I didn't actually score the most touchdowns, not really an award. I just get it because the other guy did even better at something. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind, like I say, I don't mind either way. Um, the only one, I mean, if you're going down the uh, the route of, of splitting it out like that, the only one that I wouldn't have a problem for sure awarding to the winner is uh, things like Best Painted, because that's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, some Somebody's, uh, that, that, there's a lot of time and effort gone into that. Uh, touchdowns could just be because somebody played uh, tier three teams uh, all the way through a tournament. Um, and horse them, you know. It's uh, you've still got to score them, of course. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm neither here nor there with that one. And it's that one specifically down to TOs and how they want to distribute their prize fund. Exactly. And and no shade either way from me. So. But with with the awarding of prizes, we we spoke about um, prizes and trophies and certificates in uh, episode eight, which is the first part of the TOs guide. So. We don't need to cover that ground with the rookie TOs again, but just to ensure that you've you've double checked the results and you hand the awards to the right people and uh, get some photographs to share on social media so that people know what's happened. Especially if you've got like a, a lot of sponsored prizes, um, yeah, showing that you've showing that you've actually handed them out. Uh, and sharing it on social media is helpful. Like tag them in the photos, uh, get them on, uh, get those photos. This post uh, tournament, obviously, but get those photos up on your event page or your local club page to help drive interest in future tournaments that you may want to hold. A bunch of smiling, ugly faces is uh, is a good thing, even even if it's uh, like I said, smiling, ugly faces. Exactly. Which it will be. And then I think that pretty much sums up your event. You're done. Yeah, I mean, if you've got some good mates that have attended and things like that, um, whose opinions you you value, uh, maybe post-tournament as well, uh, canvassing their opinion as to what they would have liked to see done differently or better, 
Um, because, I mean, let's not get uh, get this wrong. If you've done it once, you'll probably want to do it again, unless you hated the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing, knowing feedback from your, your clients uh, is useful. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you don't have to dwell on that. If it's been a shocker, you might not want to hear it 10 times over. Uh, but it mm-hmm. won't be if you've uh, listened to the two episodes of this podcast. Again, very, very true. Um, wow, that's us. Yeah, I don't, think really, I don't think there's really much more on that. You know, I mean, if anybody who's listening has got any other exciting uh, insight on stuff or additional insight, by all means, like feedback or put it on our page or whatever. Um, because uh, a shared experience uh, here, you know, like uh, we're not the defining uh all encompassing output here you know there's we, we've held tournaments and tiered them ourselves but we've not done we've not done them all we've not come across every different instance of what things can go wrong and everything like that so yeah it's useful to have other people's feedback too good for sure so with that all being said and done phil uh, the last section is um best endeavors keeping the hobby train going so what are we what are we hoping for for next time out uh yeah I mean, we had a we had a bit less than a month last time as well didn't we so considering well, yeah i'm, I'm did, quite surprised yeah. quite surprised what got done yeah um yeah i'm not sure what i i think i'll have done i'd like to have um I'd like to have the Saurus at least finished, uh, possibly the Crocs for McNug's team by next time round. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't mind being finished Bellacor. Um, but I'm not sure beyond that. I think that's kind of my my area uh, that I'm working on right now, trying to sort of focus it on two things rather than getting hobby butterfly my way through other stuff. And as far as money goes, your guess is as good as mine, Al. Well, is my well. We're we're going to work out the rules for our, our yeah. game um, for next week or for next episode. Uh, and I think that's that's going to be a new bit of fun for us. But uh, hobby wise, for me, I'm looking at the Dark Elf team. Um, I reckon I'll have at least nine nine more models painted on top of what I've got. So let's say twelve. 12 out of the 16 models complete. Uh, we'll go with that. I'm sure the customer, if he listens to this podcast, will be quite excited um, by that prospect. And, and on top of that, if we get some more base colours done on stuff, that'll be exciting. And I would expect to progress the uh, Soviet the Soviet tank for the painting competition. Yes. I think I've got... When- When's that due to be finished? It's actually quite a long deadline. I'm not quite sure why they've selected that. Uh, deadline is July 23rd for oh, entries. That's, that's ages away. It is. And I'm not quite sure why it's such a long deadline, but uh, I'd want to make sure I get it done well in advance. Um, you know, obviously, I want to paint paint more, more of the Soviet stuff as I'm going, but uh, I reckon I'll have a couple. I'll have some base colours done on it. It's 
yeah, I want to take my time with it. Don't want to rush. Um, want to make sure I use all these new new products correctly and to the to the maximum of their abilities or to the maximum of my own ability. Um, I've done a lot of weathering and stuff in the past, but I'm, I'm using a lot of new new products I'm not familiar with. So don't want to fuck it up. Yeah, I think uh, I'd be interested to see how you get on with that. Um, I've uh, I've always fancied doing some of the like the pigment weathering with uh, um, white spirits and stuff like that, but never kind of got round to yeah. jumping out of my com- comfort zone with that. And I quite fancy doing oils as well for weathering. Well, uh, that's I mean, I've used all of that sort of stuff in the past um, for all for all that sort of World War Two vehicles. You know, they've all got some sort of weird potion or chemical um, attacking them, but this time it's yeah, just using products I've never used before. I think these, this, I've got a solution box quite close by. Uh, I've got these pen-like things. Let me dig one out. What's it called? It's an oil brusher. So it's actually a, a oil paint. It almost looks like a makeup stick. All right, okay. So it's an oil paint, and it's got a, a brush applicator in it. It genuinely looks like it's the same sort of look as a mascara um, tube, but then you you pull it out and it's a stick with with a brush on the end attached to the handle. Uh, you know, so they're all different product coming. So you don't, you know, it's not a brush that you need to clean. But then, how do I control it, etc.? I need to. I'm looking forward to using the stuff. It's it's cool to have new new techniques or new new products. Not forced upon me, but you know, stealthily encouraged to use because there's a. I think the prize is like a weird medal or something. I I don't even know. It's just exciting to be part of the competition. Yeah, no, and uh, that's come across in your posts about it and stuff like that. So no, it's yeah. good. To, it's oh, good to get challenged yeah, yourself for that. Yeah, yeah, because the the post you have to photograph the kit unbuilt and the solutions box together. And I just took a random selfie just because I thought, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining my own hobby page at Brushwork Miniatures. But uh, the guys at the company at Ammo um, by Mike Jimenez picked it up and they shared it across all their media platforms, which was really cool. But then I'm like, fuck, it's one of the worst selfies I've taken in, you know, this year. Uh, it just looks like you. Yeah, which is pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think that's yeah that's 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 going to be the top end of my hobby. I'm in, you know, all right. My gaming life is not the best, but hey, when I'm picking up the paintbrush, I'm having a lot of fun. So I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, as long as you're getting something out there, out there, out of it at the moment, one way or the other, that's a good thing, you know. I think. Um, you're right, it can it can be a bit soul destroying when the games are, are going bad, but as long as you can pick up a brush and do something that you enjoy still, you know, it yep. keeps you going. Cool man. For sure. Well, with that all being said and done, listeners, uh Ricky TOs, I really hope you guys have, have taken on board what myself and Phil have had to say. And uh, over the coming year, it would be really great to hear from some of you. Uh, you know, if you're asking for advice or if you're reporting back to say you've run a great event, more so if you're running an event, let us know and we can um, 
from what you want on the podcast and through our own social media pages. We're more than happy to, uh, to lend a hand. Uh, Phil, have you got anything you'd like to add? No, I just uh, echo that as well. If you've got something coming up and you want a bit of a bump, we don't have a, a massive audience, but uh, um, it may entice some people from further afield than your locale to, to stick their neck out and go to the tournament that you're running. And exactly. like Al said as well, if you've had a good uh, experience off the back of uh, starting your new tournament, let us know what went well uh, and let us know what you enjoyed about it as well. Keep Perfect. that communication coming. No problem at all. All right, guys. Well, stay safe and we'll uh, talk to you guys again on Two Guys, One Dice Cup. I take it easy. I fucking hate Blood Bowl at the moment, by the way. <laughs>